Welcome to Emily is Live with me, Emily Dolan Davis. Come and hang out whilst I share my experiences in the music industry. You can ask me questions live and we can get you one step closer to your professional dreams. How are you guys all doing? Welcome to Emily is Live. This is a live podcast, funnily enough. The clue is in the title. Um, And today I wanted to talk about uh, discovering your dream job if you like, because this is something that I realized uh, about five, six years ago that, you know, we all, well, maybe we don't all, but for me, I started out playing the drums, I was 11 years old, and I decided that I wanted to be a professional drummer. That was when I hit about sort of 14. I realized that maybe it was viable to actually make this a career. And I was like, yeah, I want to be a professional drummer. And all I knew was, what I always told myself was, I just want to make a living playing the drums. I want a roof over my head and food in my fridge, and that's how you know that I have been successful in what I'm trying to do. As long as I can do it playing the drums, I am happy. And this was a great ambition, 100%, but it got to about 2015, I think it was, and I realized that I was doing it. I was doing the thing. I mean, I'd, I'd even become more specific in what I was doing. So I wasn't just playing the drums. I was touring, I was recording, I was working with named artists, you know. And I realized that I wasn't actually happy. It was the weirdest thing. I was literally living the dream that I'd always had. And I wasn't happy. And there's something that basically sparked all this and and got me sitting down and made me really reevaluate this. And that was when I parted ways with the darkness. So it was May in 2015. We decided to part ways. I was obviously I was upset about it, but I knew that in the net the year that followed essentially the next 12 months, no one would call me for work. I knew that for a fact. And the reason was because people would think that I was still out working with them and um, I just knew that the phone wouldn't be ringing because people would just assume I'm busy. So I thought, okay, well, that sucks. What can I do with that time? I have this really, (laughs) I must say, I have this weird reaction when um, things happen like that, where, so when, when I split with the darkness or let's say COVID happened, right? My reaction to bad things like that happening I just think, okay, well, this is gonna leave space for something else. That might be for another opportunity. But in this case, it was space to reevaluate and just go, okay, why am I unhappy? And what can I do to make myself happy, if that makes sense? So I remember I booked a holiday (laughs) and went away to Spain, just jumped on a plane to Malaga. And I thought, right, what I'm gonna do is, I love drumming. I want to be a drummer. I am a drummer. I'm not very happy. Why am I not happy? And I decided to sit down and just really evaluate what it was about my job that I absolutely loved. And what about it I didn't love that much? And then maybe try and find a role within sort of being a drummer that would hit all those things that I love or as many of them as I could. And it wasn't just within drumming, I suppose. It was in life as well. Like just looking at the bigger picture, like lifestyle day to day, like what do I love? What would I, what would I love that I don't currently have? What do I not like very much? And, and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
and come up with a plan basically to just have a better quality of life overall so if you are someone like that that is loves what you do but actually there's some part of you that feels a little bit unfulfilled or just something doesn't seem quite right i highly 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 recommend you sit down uh, with yourself and just ask yourself these questions because i i it changed my life literally since that time that i sat down and worked this out i've never been happier so i'm five stars would recommend <laughs> so here's what i did i sat down and i will tell you my answers you know and some of them might be a little bit um questionable you might be like really but and maybe unrealistic but here we are so i sat down the first thing that i asked myself was right what do i love what do i absolutely adore about being a drummer um yeah what do i love so I decided that the thing that I've always loved since the day that I started playing is songs. In fact, I've loved songs before I started playing drums and that really gets me like playing songs, just getting into like lyrics and all of that sort of stuff, creating a vibe and just connecting with other musicians. I absolutely love. That comes into another part of it. I love other people's like stories and experiences and kind of like tapping into that almost. It's, it really fulfills me. I just, I adore it for whatever reason. The other thing I love is working with lots of different people. And in all honesty, that was part of the reason that I couldn't carry on playing with the darkness is that I would have to dedicate my life just to them, which is great and an amazing opportunity but it just doesn't fit my personality because i really love the variety of working with different people um, and that's why you know i loved being a session musician because i got to work with different artists and yes i was dispensable but that kind of make made it interesting if that makes sense because i could just like jump around play with lots of different people it's great um what else did i love i loved traveling that was like one of my favorite things was getting to travel around and do all that and then sort of like more in lifestyle let's let's talk about not to do with drumming i loved i love i still love um, all of these things i still love i should say i love having a routine i am someone although i love a lot of variety i also really love having a routine and and being able to like work this is me being really sad like work out what's the most effective routine for my day to do like exercise and make sure that i'm eating well and then like working and being creative because that's another thing i loved being creative I feel like I'm a problem solver, whether that's like people asking me for advice or, you know, if there's a, if I can't do something, then I love working out how to do it. Often I am, you know, very frustrated when I can't work it out. And I even had an instance of that yesterday that really annoyed me, but I generally just love that feeling of overcoming a problem or something that I, I you know, that I don't know how to do. But I want to do. So those were kind of the things that I decided, or at least some of them. I've actually written a list, I would say, that I probably will reference in a minute, just in case I've forgotten any really important ones. But there, that's just an idea of some of the things that I loved about being a drummer, generally in life, things that I love. Um, and, you know, why did I love these things? Well, well, let's be honest. I'm I'm a bit of a control freak, so I do like to be in control of things. That's why I like routines and things like that. Um, and yeah, and I just love connecting with people. I kind of think that is the baseline of why I love playing the drums, whether that's musically, whether that's personally having a conversation, 
whether it's doing something like this, talking to you guys. Um, and yeah, so those were kind of the things that I decided, right, I really love those things. And I thought, well, it's probably a good idea to recognize the things that I'm not enjoying that much so that I can minimize those things. So things like, this is gonna sound crazy because it's such an integral part of being a musician. I really don't enjoy rehearsals and I'm, I, I'm saying it, I don't enjoy rehearsals. The reason I don't, I think I touched on this last week, I, I really can't stand being in the same room for days on end playing the same songs over and over and over again when I often come to rehearsals like completely rehearsed myself like I'm ready to go um, and it frustrates me if if I'm in a room especially with other people that don't hold those same standards so that's the other thing getting frustrated with people that like I say don't hold those same standards also when people are rude to each other or other people if they're rude to me I'm not that bothered but seeing that that kind of irks me a little bit as well so that's not ideal also not having say you're on tour not having your own space if it's a tour bus tour for instance I'd struggle with that sometimes not all the time sometimes I love it but I do like the option of having my own space so you know maybe that maybe not that also things like exhaustion on tour being on tour is exhausting and the biggest one I think for me is I really was not happy with the fact that I was basing a lot of my value as a musician as a person on whether the phone was ringing and I can tell you that is one of the greatest ways to completely destroy any self-esteem because to link something so important as self-esteem to whether you know to an external factor to whether someone is calling you i didn't realize that well i kind of realized at the time i hadn't realized for 10 15 years before that it's so destructive so i think that in that moment i realized that i really needed to again control freak uh, had to take control of what I considered to be success and also whether I was being successful, if that makes sense. So I thought, right, whatever I kind of decide I need to do, I need to be in control of it. So what I then did was um, I sat down and I brainstormed some ideas of ways that I could hit the things that I really loved about playing the drums and then minimize the things that I didn't enjoy about playing the drums and and I say playing the drums but what I mean is sort of that wider scope of being a professional drummer being a session musician you know what my job at that moment entailed and essentially that was touring that was doing covers gigs function gig functions gigs and um, and a little bit of recording that was my experience at the time but I thought right let's see what else I can do that can utilize all these things in the right way and and I can use them in my favor so I sat down and I came up with a couple of ideas <laughs> so the first one for me was um to put on my own show which probably seems pretty crazy and I think it probably was but side note I did this the reason that I thought it would be a good idea a I was completely in control creatively and you know it was a creative outlet and I thought that that could be really interesting that could be really fun um also it meant that long term because me I, I think big you know what I mean I don't just think about the the immediate long term you know it could lead to touring it could lead to seeing the world it could lead to meeting lots of new people and really interesting scenarios and I went down this path and I did create a 
show, a, a one-woman show. I say it's a one-woman show. It's me and my husband, and uh, we, well, he was my fiancé at the time. We created this show called Feathers and Cogs. One-woman show, just me on stage with my trump, drums, with a bunch of visuals, music, um, a bunch of crazy technology. Basically, the whole premise for the show and the creative side of it in my mad brain was me finding things that I thought, oh, I'd never seen that done on stage before. Well, then I guess I should do it. That was pretty much my reasoning behind everything that happened on that show. And it was great fun. It was a really great experience. It took about six months to put together. Um, but it essentially, at the end of it, A, I was exhausted. Like, emotionally, I was wrecked. I still feel wrecked from that show. And people still ask me if I will do another one. But it took so much out of me that... I'm not sure, basically I knew that's probably not a sustainable thing for me to do, for it to take so much out of me, and although I really enjoyed it, actually the thing that I realised again, I took it as my number one thing, I love playing other people's songs, I love connecting to other people's stories, that wide, you know how they say reading fiction, or, or what is it, it's something about traveling or i don't know widening horizons basically the best way to time travel or to travel is by reading fiction i feel the same way about playing songs playing music i feel like you connect into someone's story and you get a viewpoint that you wouldn't usually have and i realized that that was really really important to me so when i sat down with myself again uh, after this show realizing that maybe that wasn't the correct thing to do and this would have been the beginning of uh, 2016 i decided that although this was crazy at the time i thought you know what something that really would work for me is starting a remote recording business i'd seen a couple of people were doing it and so it was definitely viable because they seemed to be you know doing a good job with it there was some slight issues though in that i had no recording gear and i also had no knowledge of how to record professionally in that kind of capacity i'd been into recording studios but purely as a drummer certainly not as an engineer didn't have the information and i was like Okay, that's a bit of an obstacle, but the pull of the things that I would get from doing this, again, long term, I could see in my mind's eye the fact that if this all went to plan and I learned these things, you know, the things that you can learn, so it's not like it's either yes or no, you have them or you don't, you can learn them. So it's like, okay, that's an obstacle, but we can get around that or we can get over those hurdles. But the things that I knew that it would afford me were so much greater than the sort of pain of learning how to get there. Things like playing songs day in and day out, playing with different people day in and day out, people from everywhere in the world day in and day out, having a routine, oh, uh, being at home and being able to, you know, even down to silly things like being able to work all day and then go back into the house and cook. Crazy, crazy concept, but something like that on the road I wasn't able to do. You know, you'd be playing a gig, you'd be doing a sound check. I'd never been able to be able to cook, uh, or very, very rarely, and that was a really frustrating thing for me. Um, equally, would never have to do rehearsals. Oh, 
amazing working to my own schedule i didn't need to you know have anyone else in the room it was just me i can work in the way in the weird and wacky ways that i love to work and i could be in solitude i could do it just quietly with a lot of peace rather than having to be you know sociable i like being sociable i do but if i have the choice i'd rather have the choice if that makes sense to be sociable versus you know if i want to have a quiet day and just get on and do my thing I like that too. I like having the option and the variety of everything and all of this combined was just so amazing. The other thing is I didn't need to commit to just this one thing. It still meant that I could go and do touring as well and pick up tours as and when I wanted. You know, if the phone was ringing, I could say yes or no, but it wasn't my be all and end all. And yeah, so I think that this moment of kind of just asking myself what I loved about what I did what I didn't love about what I did, and then just brainstorming an idea literally changed my life. And I just had to share it with you because it was such a pivotal moment for me. And I've never been happier. I'm not saying things are, there aren't still struggles, there are. And you know, like I say, even just the initial struggle of learning how to, like how equipment worked in a studio. And then there was the running the business side, whole nother thing. But ultimately it's just given me such a richer, experience of my life and i'm not saying that that's going to be the solution for you necessarily but maybe think about the things that you really love maybe um for instance i another thing that i'm not a big fan of is kind of going and doing gigs and having really late nights like getting back at four in the morning i love the gig but having to drive home and getting back at four in the morning didn't enjoy that or very rarely sometimes i did very occasionally but now it is very occasionally because it supplements all this other stuff that's going on um maybe for you giving back is really important so maybe something like uh teaching is the way forward because you just want to give to the community and you want to be able to like help people on their journey that's an amazing thing or even you know starting a podcast about something maybe you're really passionate about drums and you know like down to the minute details like the the bearing edges and the different lugs that you can get it's all stuff that i don't have a huge amount of knowledge on but if you're super into that like that it's your thing you're obsessed why not start a podcast on that? That could be a fun thing to do. You never really know where these things are gonna lead as well. So it's it's definitely just worth asking yourself the question just to define and hone in what it is about what you do that you love and then just maximize it. There aren't any rules, create something, create something that hits all those points or as many of them as you can because you might not be able to hit all of them. Say I was only doing recording, it means that I wouldn't be traveling because of my job, but you know, I can do traveling as a fun thing. Fancy that, traveling for fun. What a strange concept. But anyway, I just wanted to share this thought because like I said, it was such an important moment for me in my career and in my life that if this helps one person just to ask that question, actually, what do I love? Actually, what do I not love? And then go from there. I think it really can enrich your life. So I hope it does. I hope it helps you. Anyway, I'm going to head to the questions. I've had a few in beforehand that I'm going to answer. In fact, one of them is from the Zalster, who uh, I think is listening. He was in earlier typing, but I think he's uh, he's now driving. So, um, right, there's three questions that I have. So I like this first one because it kind of ties into what I've spoken about. Um, oh, by the way, if you want to join in on the live aspect of uh, this podcast or YouTube, however you're listening or watching it, 
then uh, go to emilyislive.com. You can join us live, you can ask questions live, or you can send in questions beforehand, and I'll do my best to answer, answer them. Um, so yeah, the first question is, was playing with world-class acts, touring around the planet, what you wanted when you sat on a drum kit for the first time? Did you expect that running your own business as a recording artist would be so satisfying? So kind of two questions there. So, uh, right, was playing with world-class acts uh, what you wanted when you first sat on the drum kit? No, absolutely not. The first time I ever sat on a kit, I was 11 years old. Sorry, I get goosebumps every time I think about this. Um, and the only thought that ran through my mind was, oh my gosh, I could be good at this. I sat down and I understood it. I couldn't properly play, but I just, there was something in me. It was like, I just, I can't, I often say it's like Neo in the Matrix seeing the code, but it's like I found a part of me that I didn't even know existed. And it was just this kind of sudden, need this hunger to be good at this thing because I, I believed I could be. I don't know why that came into my consciousness, but I grabbed hold of it because it's the only thing in my life before or since I've ever felt that way. It was just like, oh my gosh, I could be good at this. And then it became, I will be good at this. I am obsessed. And that was kind of my trajectory. It was only when I hit about 13 or 14 years old that I realized that I could actually do this as a living. You know, I'd kind of skirted around the idea, but I didn't really understand how that would happen, like how that was a viable thing. And I'm incredibly lucky, me and my sister were brought up with both of our parents saying to us, look, if you can find something you love and work out how to make a living from it, then you have, that is life. You are sorted, like that is the dream sort of thing. And I think a big part of that reason was because they weren't allowed to do what they wanted to do as kids. They, they had to get very traditional jobs. Um, they totally rebelled, by the way, later on in life, but <laughs> when they were growing up, that's what they were told. So I think they very much took the opposite approach and just said, look, if you find something Something and you can work out to make a living then go do it and I will be forever grateful for them just that is normal to me that is just how my brain thinks so um, no I didn't expect that when I first picked up the sticks I, I all I wanted to do was be good at it because I fallen in love with it and and it was just I'm doing this thing this is a part of me and I want to be as good as I can be that was it the career side of it kind of came later um, and then the second part of the question, did you expect running your own business as a recording artist would be so satisfying? Did I think it would? Well, when I first thought this up <laughs> through asking these questions, I sort of did think it would be, I think it was an ideal. It was kind of like, that would be really cool if that happened. And it wasn't like, I didn't want to set myself up to be disappointed in case it didn't work out as well as I hoped it would, if that makes sense. But I thought it would be fun. But in all honesty, I think the biggest thing, the biggest obstacle in front of me was the fact that I didn't have the knowledge of how to run a business and how the actual inner workings of a recording studio worked. So I think that was so far in front of my face that I didn't dare think much past that, if that makes sense. Now I'm here though, I, I, it's unbelievable to me, the kind of, the feeling that I get, the satisfaction that I get, just the joy that I get, 
um, through working in my studio. As anyone knows that's been following me for the last couple of months or so, um, my new studio is currently being built, so I've not been able to record for like two or three months and it's killing me. But when I get in there, oh my gosh, it's gonna be so amazing again. And I just, I can't wait to get back in there. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's so much more satisfying than I ever could have imagined because it's just incredible. And it, I, I think, yeah, sometimes it, you, you don't actually appreciate how life-changing things can be. You just got to kind of go on that journey and just start from a place of like, okay, I'm going to do this. Let me commit to it and just see where it goes because weird stuff happens. Trust me, it's all very strange. Um, right, so we've got another question here. Maybe slightly off-piste. We love off-piste. Uh, I am a busy working professional whose hobby is drumming. I'm finding it hard to see how I can make like-minded, same-level people to play together with, considering my busy work and life schedule. Any thoughts? Yes. Um, so that's awesome, first of all. I, I think anyone that can pick up an instrument and play and have fun with it is just ideal. In my experience, and um, I would say get on Gumtree. It's a great place to meet local musicians. At least it was when I was coming up. That's where I found, in fact, no, that wasn't where I found my first band. My first band I found on Loot, which doesn't exist anymore, I'm pretty certain. Uh, but <laughs> it, it was basically a newspaper version and online version uh, of Gumtree, what Gumtree is now. So I'd say look on Gumtree, maybe Facebook groups, like if you have a local area musicians group or something, and just either Search, like just have a look through search for anyone that says drummer needed drummer wanted anything like that or put up an ad and just say hey i'm a drummer i'm into these kinds of bands anyone that fancies doing just a weekly jam or whatever hit me up get in touch whatever and again see where it goes i think sometimes you've just got to set out your stall and say this is what I have to offer and whether that's a time thing whether that's a style or band influences thing or whatever it is I think um yeah you've got to sort of be quite proactive about it rather than just stumbling across people also local uh rehearsal rooms sometimes have um again a bit old school but they sometimes have people advertising for musicians uh, members of bands and they might be just a jam band that are in exactly the same position as you. I think as long as you're very open with what you're after, then yeah, it's it could be a really, really good thing. I'm just gonna check something. Yes, okay, great. So, um, I hope that helps. Also, I don't know who those questions were from. So hello, if you're here in the room, then please do say it, those questions are yours. Uh, and then the third question, this is before I come to the questions in the room, um, is from Michael Lopez, who was here on the typey typey text before I went live. But if you're, hopefully you're listening on your drive home, I think, but, um, he was just asking, what's the story behind the crystal on your neck? Which, A, Michael, very well noticed, very well noticed. I'll tell you what it is, back in, uh, when was it, in October, I, I think I caught COVID, I'm not sure, but basically something happened, I don't know, and I lost all of my energy, it was an absolute nightmare, and um, anyone that knows me knows that I am, I run on a lot of energy, I, you know, I just like to get stuff done, anyway, it floored me, it totally floored me for months, months and months, and I was trying to get better, and I was trying to just work out what could it be, how can I help, and it was just anything I could do to help the situation. Um, and I was in Cornwall maybe a couple of months ago and 
part of the thing about me is that I very much take on other people's energy and whether that's positive energy, I love it, I'll bounce off it or whatever. If it's negative energy, it drains me something chronic. It's just the way I am. And apparently this crystal uh, will protect me from that, from people's negative energy, allegedly. I don't know whether it does, but I'm gonna try anything that I can. So I thought, well, better to have it than not have it. And um, I don't know whether it's made a difference, but I have energy right now, that's all that I know, and I'm very happy about it. Okay, so let's head in to the room, as it were. Let's see who is still here. Uh, and if anyone has any questions, just stick them in the chat, or if you just wanna chat about something random, I am more than happy to do that too. So I guess I should go from the top. Let's see, so let's go from here. Uh, Mooncat John says, hi all, with a ghost. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, and Chris Pan saying, hi Emily, good to see you all. Hooked on Classics, hi Emily, can't join the chat as I'll be driving, but I'll be listening in. Simone, I, th I hope you're still here listening. Uh, so Jed says, hi all, hope you're okay. I can't stay long as I'm out and about on the road. Again, I hope you're driving safe, Jed. Um, right, let's go down a little bit. Walrus Tass, this is David Travers Dixon from Tasmania, who makes some of my favourite whiskey, can I just say. Says, got round to watching Count Me In last night. There was someone in it who looked and sounded just like you. Yay! I'm so glad you got to see it. I'm still getting such wonderful comments about Count Me In. So if you haven't seen it, it's a documentary over on Netflix, um, basically celebrating drummers and mutual experiences. And somehow, for some reason, I seem to be a part of it. I got a phone call one day and, yeah, did an interview and now it's on Netflix and it's all very surreal but I'm very proud to be a part of it and amongst amazing company as well it's unbelievable the drummers on there just yeah if you if you are able to then go check it out uh yeah count me in on Netflix so uh Matthew Chambers is so babamch babamch oh that's because of the intro and uh oh crikey sorry my screen just jumped oh my goodness there's a lot of people speaking so um arno's here as well hello arno you made it well done and ali says good morning emily yes it's 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 afternoon ali afternoon <laughs> so uh brandon says good morning from the badger's den in california of course it is Badger, welcome. So Badger Drums makes amazing drums. We've been talking all about snare drums recently, me and uh, me and Badger. Sorry, I'm not used to calling you Brandon. Um, me and Badger been, have been talking about uh, snare drums and he's been realizing how terrible my knowledge of like, what different bearing edges do and different lugs do to the sound of a drum or I'm I'm so useless I know when I find something that I enjoy the sound of but I couldn't tell you why most of the time sometimes I can but most of the time I have no idea Matthew Hecker hello Matthew how are you and Jake Pratt Steve Leach is here hey Steve um, in fact Steve yeah, I feel like I haven't seen you for a long time um, Matthew North is here hello Matthew hope all is well all is very well thank you Matthew Nathan Drum is here hello Nathan you finally made it Nathan keeps accidentally missing these which is such a shame because he's such a big part of this group of people um, Adam Stanley drums is here hello Adam how are you so how do you discern between working through different scenarios and just being unhappy because a change is actually needed that's a really really good question um, I think it's very dependent on each situation for sure but and again and I think it's very personal I personally put a time limit on it so or a limit I should say maybe not just a time limit so 
if it's a difficult scenario and you're able to actually affect that scenario, um, i.e. it's your band or you know, you're know you a key part of the, the, the um, situation, I would put uh, limits on it in terms of, right, I will address it and see what happens then in X amount of time, I'll sort of look at it again. If it's something where you're a hired gun essentially, session musician or I don't know, even if it's working with a client within the studio, I will again put a time limit on it and just say if I don't feel better about this in you know six months time then maybe I should just knock it on the head because for me I balance up the cost of my happiness my energy you know the effort that I put in and at the end of the day I don't want to be and I've had this where I'm on stage performing and I feel resentful towards the artist that I'm working with and it's it's the worst feeling i remember even once and this was very early days and i will never say who this is um i was on stage and i was so resentful that i wanted to play badly that's how bad it was i've never ever told anyone that i've never admitted that to anyone but i knew in that moment i need to leave and i left literally a couple of weeks later best decision i've made um you know because the thing is it's never just gonna be that one opportunity. If you don't let it, you have to be proactive, yes, but you don't need to hold on to everything like with an iron grip because, and again, it's a weird thing that I have. I do believe that if you take something out of your life, that space, it gives you space for other opportunities to come and be a part of your life, but you won't even see them. You won't even have the energy, the capacity to have them because everything is blocked, everything is full, your whole life is full. And especially if you're feeling negative feelings or whatever towards a situation, that's just, that's not gonna get you what you want, if that makes sense, without getting too kind of airy-fairy about it. I, I, I really do believe that leaving space for opportunity and creativity is a really important thing. So um, yeah, I'd say, Sorry, Adam. It's not a very clear-cut answer, but I think it is very specific and and to to your scenario and and if you can work a way around it, that's great. That's really good. And honestly, it's not something that I'm brilliant at. I'm the person that is more likely to step away than to kind of try and I don't know, like I I don't know, whatever the other option is. See, that's how bad I am at it. But um, I think it is horses for courses and it depends on you as well and your way of dealing with things. Adam, I know you're really good at like actually talking about things like that. So that is that is good. Lean into whatever you are and whatever you do and however you do it. So um, Ali says, hi, Nath, glad you made it. Yes, we're all happy you made it, Nathan. Woohoo! David says, all the kids in my Soviet kindergarten were brainwashed to be to be, oh, cosmonauts, astronauts, also me, lol. So my dream job is cancelled, uh, but my dream business is still on my mind. David, we've never spoken about this, but can I just say, when I was a kid, when I was probably from the age of about four to the age of about eight, I was obsessed with the moon, with space, and I wanted to be an astronaut too. And I didn't go to one of your kindergartens, but my goodness, I would have loved to, because I was upset. I would, I would, <laughs> I would make books on how, like, about the moon. And I always remember I'd probably get about two pages in. Like, I'd make a book with A4 paper and just fold it over. That's my book I'm writing. Two pages in, and then oh no, I'm bored. Next one, the moon. 
two pages no next one yeah anyway i was obsessed also so i can totally uh i can yeah i in another life i would have loved to have been an astronaut it'd be so cool so matthew chambers says big fan of eating me too but i know you're kind of tongue-in-cheek there but fan of eating means fan of traveling to me best food you're gonna eat is whilst you're traveling so touring might be the option for you and that could be in terms of like touring as a session musician with an artist it could be as part of like a, a stage show like a touring stage show i know oh no what was the there's one that's gone out and, anyway sorry my brain is just going off on a tangent but it's finding something that fits that or maybe it's similar to me cooking at home so you want something that brings you home more so maybe it's teaching or recording studio or whatever it is on that side of things so it's just or maybe a bit of everything that's you know there doesn't have to be just one option but um yeah i mean always a big fan of eating really in fact maybe then you could be like a fitness instructor because then you can really eat as much as you want because you're going to burn it all off now that would be good nathan says thank you ali i was just taking my hardware and snares out of the car i knew i should have been doing something related thank you for reminding me it was this <laughs> yes no problem nathan anytime i did think i thought my goodness if he misses another one accidentally then he'll probably feel really bad so i just thought i'd just put it out there um and david is saying hi to nathan uh walrus tass wait nathan's here oh the whole the whole gang are here it looks like i don't think we're missing anyone at the moment are we jed says i've got to get off now and uh, emily and friends catch up soon i'll catch the stream soon bye for now yes jed you can listen to it back it will be out on friday so uh nathan says oh no not you uh, Steve Leach says, I love that you said that, Emily, re regarding rehearsals. I feel exactly the same way. Steve, thank you for saying that because I feel like it's sacrilege saying something like that. I always felt it was wrong to feel. Steve, we are so on the same page. I, it feels like I'm saying a dirty thing by saying that I don't enjoy rehearsals. I'm fine if it's like one day rehearsal just to run everything. That I can deal with. Or like for in okay the voice kids different scenario we'll do like f uh four days rehearsal but it's literally we run everything three times i think and then we don't play it again until we film it well pretty much there's a couple of bits in between but it's not like laboring over parts everyone knows what they're doing we do it we hit it we move on and that is oh that's my perfect way of working and that's how we get through about i think it's like 30 songs over a couple of days um so yeah but rehearsals oh i just i just you know some people go into rehearsal for months playing the same set for months it's it's my idea of hell it literally is i just no it's not for me i think there would be very few scenarios where i would make an exception for that kind of level of sitting in a rehearsal room oh goodness um and walrus tassas how's it going nathan and walrus tass saying hey buddy haha <laughs> so uh Jake says, yeah, completely agree. I don't mind rehearsals, but excessive rehearsing is frustrating, especially where some people don't come prepared or their plan is to learn the songs in the rehearsal. Literally, Jake, that is one of my biggest pet peeves in the world is people coming to rehearsals and not knowing the part. It's, ah, it's fine if we haven't heard the stuff and we're learning it in the room. Fair enough. 
But aside from that, I just can't see any good reason. Do you see me? I'm getting stressed even thinking about it. I need to stop thinking about it. But it really winds me up so much when people come unprepared because I don't, that's not how I work. And although it's unrealistic, and yes it is, I expect people to hold similar standards. If you're doing a professional job, if you're being paid, there should be a certain level that you work to. <gasps> anyway, that's my little rant over for now at very least. Um, and Nathan says uh, <laughs> that he's very stressed, busy, and stressed at being busy. Nathan, you're one of the most busy people that I know. You must take some time. Please take some time. Um, and he says, hey Carl, how are you? mate I saw you playing drums with your band on a video recently very nice I have not seen that I need to see that um so Walrus Tass says I write and record demos all the time when it comes to rehearsing most of my bands are pretty tight and don't really practice other than about a jam uh, a week in the lead up to the show all right so but this is the thing you see I feel like it's just personal preference because some people love that hang and they love the jam and all and like you say you're with people that don't really practice but they come in they do the job and it's sweet and you're happy that's awesome it's just like i say it's just my but i don't know what it is something must have happened to me when i was younger where i just cannot abide rehearsals i don't know why um and nathan says yay feathers and cogs so feathers and cogs was the one woman show me and my husband put on back in 2016 2015 2015 it was december 2015 and then it was like the week after was christmas then we moved house and then we got married, all in the space of about two weeks. Crazy. Um, Matthew Chambers says, I remember Feathers and Cogs. It was an interesting idea. It was an interesting idea. I still cringe it. There's so many things that I was not happy with. There were many things I was happy with, but there was, as I said in a previous episode, I very much see the mistakes. I see the things that need to be fixed. Those are the things that I fixate on. Um, and therefore, that's why I'm not doing it again. There was a lot that was wrong with it in my head and it was it was a lot. Uh, Graham Wilmot had, uh, says, have wondered before whether there will be any future chance to see a Feathers and Cogs reprise, reprise. Sounds unlikely. I, I mean, you may see something that is a version of Feathers and Cogs, but it probably won't ever be called that again. Maybe, I don't know, um, maybe in the future, but it definitely will take on a very different form. Um, but it's like anything. It's even like things like this podcast, for instance. This started out, the very, very first incarnation of this was I used to make really short, and I can't even remember what platform this was on. It may have been YouTube, it may have even been a different one before that. Very, very short uh, question and answer videos that were so, um, I was so uh, embarrassed and self-aware about the fact that I would often be like, um, um, uh, that I would chop out all those little words. I can't remember what they called those types of words, the sort of, the little in-between words. So it would be very, very choppy, very, very short. And I'd put, a, put it onto Instagram now uh, not instagram sorry on youtube but that was back in 2014 i think something like that it was a long time ago and this is obviously seven years later oh my gosh it's seven years later but here it is this is this is the next incarnation and obviously we've done a version another podcast a drummer's guide 2 that was a version of this 
the live streams was a whole thing for the last couple of years so everything is sort of a stepping stone to something else to me like it's a it's an evolution it's a constant evolution same with drum stem club so if anyone doesn't know i run this um this club called the drum stem club or the drum stem club just drum stem club and it is free drum multi-tracks that started out as drum loops that i made with midi because I didn't have a studio, but I wanted to put something out there and it was called Ed's Loops. But most people don't even know about that, but that was would have been back in 2015, I think. I'm not even sure, but that's the point. I think everything, if you build upon things, then interesting things happen, it's very good. Uh, Ali says, is there a video of Feathers and Cogs? There is, but it wasn't shot very well. Um, and honestly, I don't actually know where it is. If I can find it, I'll see if I can put something together, but um, it might be one of those things that just exists in that moment in time. It may be, and the people that were there saw it and it happened and um, it was not perfect. People said they enjoyed it, so that's nice, but we'll see, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll just send you something, Ali. <laughs> so Nathan says, at Walrus Tass, right on mate, I've started using the idea of recorded demos as a way to, to do individual rehearsals instead of rehearsal instead of rehearsals, so rehearsal time isn't so sticky. That's interesting, so I think I understand what you mean now. Uh, so Nathan, thank you for clarifying. So David, you're, are you talking about doing demos as in you send it to each person to record their parts on it, so they're kind of rehearsing and learning and recording it on there at the same time so everyone kind of knows where they're at because I think that's a really great idea if that's what you're saying um and Nathan if that's also what you're saying and if I'm reading into that right which I might be but it's possible that I'm not Carl Bayliss says thank you sir I uh, to Nathan sorry I think that probably the band oh gosh Grand Valise I am I meant Grande Valise this is Things like this really show how out of touch I am. Uh, loads of sequence stuff to play off. Had another gig, different band last week too. I love it when I hear people that are playing with lots of different bands because I just people after my own heart for sure. Uh, Nathan says to David Travis Dixon, it's cut down on wasted group time massively so far. This is the recording, the demos together, which but separately, I think it makes a lot of sense. I've never thought of that, but actually it makes so much sense. Um, and he, uh, Nathan says to Carl Bayliss, yeah, the sequence stuff sounded very cool. Yeah, I don't know that band at all. Gra Grande Valise or Grand Valise? I'm not the best at saying names at the best of times. So Warristas said, I, always, uh, I, also luck Sorry. I also lucked out that I also really dig all of my band songs so I can just add them to my solo jam time Spotify playlist. Now that is an ideal situation. In fact, you're reminding me there are certain artists that I work with, or have worked with, I should say, that do also do that. They listen to their own songs and they warm up and they sing their own songs. And, and that is how they warm up. And I think what an amazing spot to be in that you enjoy your music so much that you can use it in that way. I think that's brilliant, David. I think that's really brilliant. Fergus, hello Fergus, says, hey Emily, just to ask if you've ever had to take on other jobs in order to pay the bills while you're on your journey to where you are, um, are at the moment. Uh, yes, I have. Luckily, not a huge amount, but 
I worked, so I worked in a drum shop for a little while. That's where I did my work experience when I was 15 years old and then would work there on Saturdays after that. Uh, I worked babysitting jobs as well. Um, I also worked where my mum worked. My mum used to work for a company called GSK, who's like a pharmaceutical company. Uh, she worked in the, um, she was an uh, occupational health nurse there. But there was a bunch of data entry stuff and my mum was like, look, do you want to go and do this job to earn some money so that you can keep doing your drumming? And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I did that. I hated it, by the way. It was awful. I had to be there at like five o'clock every morning. Oh my goodness. And I would listen to D'Angelo's Voodoo album and I love that album so much but you know when you listen to something intensely and then you associate it with that period of time for years I couldn't listen to it because it reminded me of that time and I just really didn't enjoy it anyway I digress and um, I also used to help my dad so he is well he's a producer of a kids tv show um but he's always been involved in uh like animation and stuff and I would help him do like the the jobs that like small jobs, like uh, something to do with scripts, or um, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, there's, there's various, very, not menial tasks, but they're kind of like, is literally a checklist, put this here 500 times, that sort of thing. Um, so he would, he would pay me to do things like that. Uh, I did almost work in a clothes shop, and I almost worked in a bar for a little while, but I ended up starting to play covers gigs, so <laughs> thank goodness for that. Um, I think that's it i'm pretty sure that's it i'm pretty sure that's it um but yeah i've always tried to sort of like always have it be drum related later on so teaching stuff like that i'd do that um instead of uh working in a bar but that that risk of having to get like a job like that really fueled me it was like okay i'd better go find something to do um and nathan drum says to walrus tass haha that is an added bonus i was going to say uh I was going to say what, even the song the drummers wrote, haha, but that would be you. <laughs> so that's about uh, Walrus Tass playing along to his own songs. So Badger says, sounds like having the, uh, living the dream. I can't wait for the day that building drums becomes my full-time gig. Well, Badger, I will say that you are clearly on your way because the level of quality that you're providing for the drums that you're building is exceptional and i think it is literally unfortunately there is an element of time and patience that comes along with any job but especially any creative job so yeah whatever you're doing just keep doing it because you're very you're very good at what you do clearly um oh my chat is jumping around like a crazy person um and walrus tass says haha i'm still in the gig and party into the wee hours and get home at 5 a.m phase Dude, it wasn't long ago I was in exactly the same phase and occasionally I still am in that phase. Uh, although, parting into the wee hours, I was never part of that phase. I am so boring. Anyone that works with me know I am so on rock and roll. I am so the first person to bed if I can be. I, I might have a drink after the show. Maybe two, maybe, but that is kind of my limit for various reasons that I won't go into, which I know sounds strange because I love going into random tangents, but not for today. Nathan says, McDonald's and Starbucks enjoy that I, oh, McDonald's and Starbucks enjoy that I drive home at 4am most nights, haha. <laughs> McDonald's on fleet services has seen my face more times than I should probably admit to. It's important. I remember someone telling me uh, that 
you can't fall asleep if you're eating. Although my husband would probably disagree with that. He was in the Marines, they were tired all the time because they were crazy. Um, but anyway, apparently you can't fall asleep when you eat. This is what I got told, so I decided, okay, well then I just better eat all the way home on long drives home. Not great for the old owl waistline. Fergus says, so inspiring to hear all of your stories. Do you take every session or if you don't connect with the track, have you ever declined work? I love recording sessions and shows. I, I have to enjoy it. <laughs> so yeah, there are things that I won't take on if I don't think I'm the right person for it or if my, because obviously songs are different styles and genres. I don't play every genre or style. I, I don't. I have certain things that I excel at for sure. But if I'm not that person, I will say, look, I don't think I'm the right person for this, but here's some other people that might be great for this, X, Y, Z, here, try them out. And there's never any bad feeling or anything like that. That's the same for gigs, you know, and I may have even said yes to gigs, but then it becomes apparent, actually, I'm probably not the right person for this. I'm probably not the right fit. That could be musically, that could be personally as well. And it's no negative thing about those people or about that music. It's just, I'm not the right fit. It's like a relationship. It's often not about people being, you know, bad or good or whatever. It's just a mismatch. And that's it. And I think being okay with that leads you to things that are more aligned with you and, and, and all the things that come naturally to you. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, Jake, did I even answer your question? I'm so sorry, Fergus. Um, did I? Do I take every session? No. So, uh, yeah, Jake Pratt says, I know for a lot of people, uh, the pandemic has caused people to have a rethink. Has it changed anything for you, Emily? Yes, 100%. So when the pandemic first hit, I, my initial reaction was, so let's give some context. So when the pandemic first hit, I had a whole year's touring booked in with Kim Wilde. It was the greatest hits tour. I was like, right, we were literally two weeks off of going into rehearsals for this whole new show, loads of new songs to learn, loads of new programming to do. It was really exciting. And then obviously all of it hit and it was like, oh, okay. Uh, like everyone did, it was just shock and oh my goodness. For me, the way that I deal with things happening like that, and this can be obviously a global pandemic or it can be on a smaller scale just in my world. My reaction is for some reason, okay, great, that means and it doesn't mean that I think that it's great. It just means that I need to take a positive from it. Otherwise I will go into a spiral and I don't know where to go. So my reaction to the pandemic was, okay, great. That means that I can focus on X, Y, Z and I can help people with X, Y, Z. And, and that became, I, that means that I can um, create the remote recording business course, which is basically just teaching people about how to run a business when it comes to running a remote recording studio because the business side is not something that I feel comes naturally to musicians and Jake I know that you know that because you've been on the course and, and I'm just reading your question now uh, so yeah and then so I, I focused on that which meant that I didn't have time to stop and think and I kept busy and then the studio was really busy because it you know it afforded a lot of musicians the time to finish their passion projects or you know their own stuff versus working for other people so I became very busy because of that and again, I wasn't focusing on anything. And then I was just keep going, keep going, keep going. Cause that's how I work. That's how, it's just how I roll in life. It wasn't until October when I got sick that I was like, 
oh no, I was forced to stop and take stock. And although I didn't want to and it was painful, um, I think it was really good because it did make me think what was important. And, you know, even down to, I mean, we moved house because of it, because of the pandemic, because me and Tony realized, you know, what was important to us long-term, what we wanted, what we didn't want. Again, it's the sitting down and just going, right, what do I love? What don't I love? Let's just maximize the things that we love. Life is short. This pandemic has shown us that, if anything. It's about spending more time with family. It's about, you know, looking after ourselves. I was not looking after myself at all. I still struggle with that, but I'm trying. I'm trying my best and I'm doing better for sure. Um, it was things like, you know, even doing the live streams, I realized that was taking a lot of energy from me and I loved it so much. That's why I'm still doing them, but I'm doing them more in a condensed version like this and being able to interact because I also knew that, you know, social media was taking up a lot of my energy and time, you know, replying to comments, all that sort of stuff. That's why I was like, but I love talking to people. Okay, so I'll do a live stream and then I can answer the questions just there in the room as it were and I can connect and it's gonna be awesome and now it's this condensed thing that I can control. Now you have to recognize that when I hit, you know, end stream after this, I will go home and I will collapse for the rest of the day because I really do, everything that I do, I give everything and I know that about myself but what I didn't know before the pandemic was truly how much I was giving and truly the toll that it was taking until it really did just all hit me and I was like, oh, I can't do anything. I literally couldn't even, I couldn't even walk upstairs without just needing to sit down. I couldn't do anything. I can't express to you how much was taken from me and it made me just realize and I was like, this is not sustainable. I need to make a change. So um, yes, in short, Yes, it did change a lot for me. It made me realize what I value most. It made me realize that if I do only have a small amount of energy on any given day, what do I want to spend that energy doing? And it's not time and it's not money, it's energy. Energy is the most important thing to me because it is the thing that seems to have been most affected for me. Um, so I'm very, I'm a lot more purposeful. I'm not perfect, but I'm getting better. So I hope that answers your question, Jake. Ali says, I can relate to the first time playing and, and the goosebumps. For me, it was feeling like I was home. It was the best feeling I could do. Uh, it was the best feeling I could do it. Ali, it was exactly the same feeling for me. Um, I like that, that coming home. That's what it felt. It felt like I belonged and I, up until that point, I never felt like I belonged anywhere in life. So to feel that was just, it was new to me, for sure. It was very new to me. And since then, obviously, I very much feel like I belong within this drum community and this community that is on, on here on Emily is Live and further afield. It's, it's an amazing experience. But that was my first time of being like, and relax and I'm here and I've arrived and I just thought well I'm not leaving so there we go drums drums didn't have a chance they were always gonna uh, be a part of my life so Fergus says I've realized that it's definitely a journey and not a destination 100% um, and enjoying each and every day now thanks oh no I completely agree with you Fergus I think if you can enjoy the journey that again in that same way of finding something you love and do it as a living that's brilliant. If you can enjoy the journey to get there, that is like the platinum underlined everything golden version of it. Because yeah, it's funny, you know, I don't think I have any real like big goals that I work towards anymore. 
I think I have small, small goals, but actually my goals are things like doing this today. And I consider this part of my journey. I'm not sure where that journey's going. I do know that I'm really enjoying it. And I think, yeah, if there are things that you can kind of enjoy day to day, some, sometimes they are mundane things, but sometimes if you can just sit and be present and go, do you know what? I get to do this, then you're definitely in a winning state, like just in life. So uh, David says, can you name the crystal on your neck? I also have mine. I'd love to tell you what this is called. I can't remember. Is it tourmaline maybe? It's a black crystal. This one is quartz on the top. But yeah, I don't know what this is and I'm not sure that you can see it that well, but uh, yeah, it's, I like it. <laughs> I don't know. I just like it. It looks quite nice. Arno says, still no count me in available in the Netherlands, but I'll keep waiting patiently until it is. I'm so sorry for anyone that is trying to watch count me in. And I know that's the Netherlands, Brazil and Japan for sure, but I don't know. I'm sure there are others. It's not currently on Netflix. I'm just hoping that it will be soon and I need to work out if there are any hard copies. I'm sure that they'll put it on sale somewhere, so I hope. I mean, things are so different now, so I don't know, but I will I will endeavor to find out. The second that I know that it's available for purchase or whatever, I will be letting everyone know, so don't worry about that. Uh, Walrus Tass says, try getting a VPN, Arno. Oh yeah, that is actually a good shout. Then you can access Netflix and other sites um, as if from another country. Also, your data and usage is more secure. I think, Wars Tass, 100%, I'm loving what you're saying. I have a feeling that Netflix has really, really clamped down on VPNs and recognizing it and not allowing it. Um, another thing you can do is travel to a country that does have it. So just come to the UK, just so you can come and watch it and then you can fly back. No, I'm joking, don't do that. But um, yeah, anyway, sorry, I'm being silly. Matthew Chambers, hey Emily, I've seen you playing electronic kits on some photos. How do you feel about them? I've converted a pearl kit and it's great for small venues, but it just doesn't have that acoustic soul. I think electronic kits are really, really useful for specific scenarios. If I had my way all the time, <laughs> which I definitely don't, um, I would always be playing acoustic kits. It's what I learned on, you know, I'm essentially a rock, pop, blues drummer. Like that is where my heart lies. But when you're playing with artists that use uh, a lot of samples, it's such a great way to be able to play the song rather than playing along to the samples, if that makes sense. Because then you still have that element of the live thing, energy or whatever, but with the samples as well. And yeah, so I think there's definitely a time and a place for it. Uh, yeah, it's horses for courses, I'd say. And it's great actually on the Kim gig because I do have an acoustic kit with electronics. So I literally have the best of both worlds, which is really fun. But yeah, I mean, I always love playing an acoustic kit. Um, I think the picture you might be talking about actually is when I was playing with Tom Bailey with the Thompson, uh, from the Thompson Twins. That was a fully electronic setup. Oh, and Howard Jones, that was a fully electron electronic setup as well. But again, it's just kind of, it's what the gig required, it's what the music required, and I think I kind of lent into it because it is a completely different discipline, and I think anything that I find a challenge with, I'm like, ooh, okay, yeah, I'll do that, and it, it makes it fun. So even with the Howard Jones gig, for instance, that was a double drama gig, so Jonathan Atkinson, 
had been there for 15 years. He plays full on a fully electronic kit. I was kind of using like a stand-up percussion set. So what that meant was not only the parts, the parts kind of were like, yeah, okay, I can do that. I already know how to do that. I know how to program this thing. But then it became about the performance, which was a bit of a challenge. And that was awesome. So it's just my focus shifts to what the gig requires. And sometimes it's not playing related and it's not gear related. So yeah, I think if you can find fun in everything that you do, then that'd be super cool. So for instance, if you're playing uh, what were you saying? So you're playing small venues, yeah, so nightmare with the with the limiter. We've all been there for sure. Nothing worse than seeing that limiter on the on the wall there. But um if I was doing that in your shoes, I would to make it fun for myself, I would start programming different kits for the different songs. So not all of them, obviously if it's if it's a rock song or whatever, just a general generic kit as it would be. But if it were like a print song, for instance, maybe get a few like samples that you would sort of chuck in there just because you can, because it affords you that opportunity. Why not take advantage of it? And it can be just literally on one song or it could be on two or three or four or five or who knows. But yeah, if, it, if it's appropriate, obviously it might not be appropriate, but um, that's how I would deal with that just to keep it interesting for myself, if that makes sense. So Arno Paul says, Walrus Tass, thanks for the advice, knowing nearly, nearly nothing about technology, but I'm going to try or call some friends to fix this. Yes, friends to fix things is always a good thing. Matthew North says, I was, I was obsessed with Space 2, especially after I saw a TV film called Salvage One about this bloke that built a rocket out of a load of scrap from his junkyard. Oh, Matthew, that sounds like absolutely my seven-year-old's jam. For sure, seven-year-old me would absolutely love that kind of film. Um, yeah, I, that was the other thing when I was younger. Wanted to be an inventor. That was the other thing. Didn't know what to invent, no idea, but I loved the idea of it. Uh, and Matthew says, and it landed on the moon. I still want to build a rocket, but I'm getting quite good at amps and pedals. Well, they often say that if you can't build a rocket, amps and pedals are the next best thing. So no, that's awesome, Matthew. Like I'm totally with you there. Graham says, ha, my obsession with space related things never went away. Even studied aerospace, oh, aerospace engineering at uni, Graham. How did I not know that? That's incredible. Incredible. That's so cool. Oh, ah, I want us to talk about that. Maybe we can talk about that another time. That's really awesome. Uh, David says um, to Adam, any vintage Adidas jackets around? I, I don't know. I have no idea what the... I, yeah. Sorry, I'm probably a little behind on the chat here. Graham Wilmot says, sounds like this group could build a rocket to rival Elon Musk. Yeah, with the amount of people. I didn't realise how many of us are like quite into space and, and astronauts. That's very cool. I'm feeling even more at home than ever. Mooncat Drum says, the re rehearsals thing I get too. I'm another one that works out stuff at home first. Mooncat Drums, I... I don't know, but I have an inkling that this might be a drummer thing. And my theory, and I'm just thinking this up now, why that might be, could it be because we play such a loud instrument, it's very hard to discreetly learn parts? So we better do it before we get there. That's my theory. Okay, we'll see. I might be completely wrong about that. Fergus says, homework at home has always been my work ethic, but I hate sitting through other musicians learning their parts. The magic is lost for me. Dude, totally the same. It's just, oh, it's so dull. Craig Westwood is here. Hello, bonjour from France. Craig
Craig, it's been forever. How are you? How are the balloons? Craig Westwood is a loony, which means that he does hot air ballooning, which is so cool, and moved to France recently. Well, it's probably a year and a half ago now, is it? I'm not sure. New studio on the way, Craig. Please write some more songs so that we can work together again. Craig's an amazing musician, great guitarist. Go check him out, go check out his music. A lot of the people from the live streams will know Craig already because we did a lot of live streaming, me recording his songs. Awesome. Charlotte says, I think this explains why a lot of bands don't repeat books at their, oh, sorry. I think this explains why a lot of bands don't repeat book at the studios. It's always new people because they're just rehearsing for one gig at a time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're probably right. It's, I, I don't know. I'm saying that as if I've ever run a studio. I have no idea. I am that person that is just there like once, hello, and then off I go. Richard G is here. Hello, Richard, how are you? Someone turning up not knowing their part is a big trigger for me. Oh man, do you know what? I was really scared to admit about the rehearsals thing, but I feel like I'm in a room of like-minded people and it's making me happy. By the way, if you don't agree, please say, always say I won't be offended or anything like that so always say if you think different because yeah it's all good Ali says same here I got so frustrated with one particular band member who used rehearsals to learn oh Ali we all have those people I'm picturing someone in someone in my mind's eye right now same reaction Richard G says I don't mind helping people figure out structures and all that but they just haven't got uh, but if they haven't got the song learned at all mate <laughs> dude Richard cut from the same cloth I structures fine I don't mind that absolutely parts know your parts please know your parts David Frontman says feathers and cogs I've got plans on the logo if you don't mind go for it go and use it that's a logo that I sketched randomly I don't even know when and in fact I think I sent you one didn't I send you a copy of it I can't uh, Nathan says yeah so everyone learns and records their parts oh this is so this is this demoing style of practicing where you you take a song and each person from the band records their part like individually at home I think this is genius I can't believe I've never thought about this or yeah so this is what Nathan says yes so everyone learns and records their parts and can practice them in their own time not everyone else's with the rest of the track i.e the other musicians without everyone having to meet up i love this idea i love it i love it i want i want to implement it i just i'm wondering if i can do it in the kim lot i don't think so in fairness everyone's pretty good at learning their parts in that band um but I think that's brilliant what a great way to rehearse especially during these covid times i'm sure that was so useful like just working songs oh i love it it's so good um so david frontman says i think rehearsing by the by vr is on its way i agree i think there's a lot of things on its way for vr like especially when it comes to like sports performance i think it's such an interesting time that is about to happen of like elite sports people just going to the next level because of um like practicing things in your mind and i think it's very exciting i'm very excited uh fergus says thanks emily uh as a uh, great emily as i thought my attitude uh, that attitude was holding holding me back goodness i can't speak um yeah no problem anytime any anything i hope i hope me just chatting on like this does help you because 
Otherwise, it's just me just chatting on, isn't it? Um, Walrus Tass says, every time I hear someone say everything I do, my brain drum jumps straight to Brian Adams. <laughs> Brilliant. I have things like that. Certain things trigger me to song just in my head. Um, mostly that I sing out loud. But anyway, Nathan Drum says, Walrus Tass, I know. I know that's true. Huh? Uh, Walrus Tass says, glad it's not just me. Uh, and Arno says, be careful what you're saying to me. It's just a one hour flight. I'll get some street waffles and I'm on my way. This is about Arno being in the, the Netherlands and not being able to watch Count Me In over there. Um, don't jump on a plane just yet, Arno. Let's see if we can work out another situation. Um, Adam Stanley sa uh, Drums says to David Frontman, I am always on the lookout. Uh, I justify the spend by how cool I know I'll look. I guess I'm going for the Damon Auburn meets 90s thrash metal kid. I think we're talking about Adidas jackets, but I don't know where this conversation has emanated from, so I apologise if I'm missing the point here, but you know me, I'm just on my little ramble. Um, so David Frontman says, Tourmaline, uh, by the way, I don't even know if that's how you say it, this is the stone that's around my neck. Uh, I have Tourmaline bracelet. I'm using it rarely on the potential dangerous situation for my energy. Very strong protection as an armour. See, I don't know about this crystal thing and I don't know whether it works, but I all I know is that if it's going to help, I will try it. I will try most things if I think that it might help, especially my energy levels at the moment. So there we go. Craig Westwood says, yes, still a loony balloony, working on some new tracks. But well, that's exciting. And my own home studio is nearly done. Yes, looking forward to seeing your new setup and recording some more tracks. Me too, Craig. Always lovely seeing you. Right, and on that note, can't believe it's been like an hour and 15, that's crazy. Um, thank you so much for being here. If anyone is listening back or watching back on YouTube and you wanna be part of this live conversation, head to emilyislive.com and all you gotta do is sign up. It means that you will get a watch link on the day that I go live and we can chat. Equally, you can just sit there and say nothing, but I always love seeing people and saying hello and all that good stuff. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe, follow, share, what, all that stuff. And um, I will be back next week with another subject. We can chat some more and um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week. All right, guys, lots of love to you. See you later. Bye. And Emily is love. Oh, yeah. Emily is love.